And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 247. My name is Brando. If you're watching on Zoom, it's another uh, Zoom featured episode. You can find those all on our YouTube channel. You can see a familiar face, uh, whether you're a Guns N' Roses fan or you're a fan of the podcast. Doug Goldstein, how are hey. you, sir? Good, Brando. How are you, buddy? I like your shirt. Thank you. Money have I got to pour me? I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> If you're just listening on the podcast, uh, Doug is wearing the official Appetite for Distortion T-shirt. Yes, sir. I'm also wearing. Bring it proudly, yeah. <laughs> awesome. By the way, I'm wearing my Miami colors. Okay. Uh, Miami State flag, Hurley puts on. Okay, it's a hat, and I have my my GNR hat that I got off Amazon because I'm a poser, I guess. But you can get these uh, <laughs> these Appetite for Distortion swag on uh, Redbubble dot uh, com. And joining us also, which I, I love to do, in addition to inviting former managers of Guns N' Roses on the program, is to invite listeners, you, you who listens to this podcast, however you, you listen to it, you are a part of the show. I've said that since the beginning when I was doing this with Scotto. So a name I've seen for a while on Facebook. I've never seen the face. Now I do. Again, we're on Zoom. Uh, Tommy uh, or Thomas. What do you prefer? Tommy or Thomas Frazier? Tommy. 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 Right on. And... What's great is because when I've had listeners on, it's usually from somebody. It's usually somebody who's another, not, just not just a part of a, another, the, the country, but a part of the world. I've had people on from, you know, Portugal or you know Canada or all these other different countries. You're you're kind of a, a, a stone's throw over a bridge. That's you're in, it. You're in Staten Island. Staten, Staten Island, Island, New Sometimes, York. Some people would consider that a foreign country. Oh, I know, yeah. dude. I, foot I, of the Verrazano. That's right. Tommy, I hope you don't mind if I do a little bit of intro. So uh, the the reason why I asked Tommy uh, to join Brando and I is Tommy and I, although we've never met, we've been talking via Facebook forever Uh, Mm -hmm. during the the days uh, when I was living in Hawaii, which anybody that knows me um, or has followed kind of what I've gone through. Uh, a long time ago. So Tommy and I have been talking for a long time. Yeah. Finally, the other day, I just picked up the phone. And I said, hey, answer your damn phone <laughs> on Facebook. And we had such a hoot talking that I said, hey, why don't you join us on Sunday? So um, so great, glad to have you, Tommy. You're a great Thank guy. you, and thank you for the invite. And, Brando, thank you for all your hard work with entertaining us GNR fans. I, I do the best I can, and that's why Doug has been such a pleasure to meet because – Talking to Doug, he mentioned talking to you. He's he's throughout the the, the course of our um, bromance. He's mentioned uh, a few GNR fans that he's become yeah. friends with, and it's it's really cool to see because, as we've you know kind of discussed over the course of this podcast, the the current incarnation isn't the most uh, accessible. Let's put it that right. way. Right. Uh, so Doug is very accessible, and he mentioned you, and I the name stuck out again. I I pay attention to who follows this show, and, and I you. said I'm like you know what. Bring him on. See if he's available yeah, someday. Yeah. 
Thank you. And we're very grateful for Doug's uh, entertainment and just being genuine and a, a down-to-earth great guy. And, and, and thank you, um, you know, for skipping church. You know, um, I went. I, I was a good boy. I went oh, last night. Okay. I went at four p.m. I, I was a good boy. I went at four p.m. And, and Doug, we we I sent you the an instant messenger the enrollment. Sir, <laughs> sir, Doug, what, you and I will go to a synagogue tomorrow. All right, Brando, I'll I'll come out and go with you. We could we could swap off one week. I'll go with you. One week, you come with me. That's uh, right. Before we get into the Gene Art talk, <laughs> I don't think I've been to a, a synagogue since my last brother was bar mitzvah. So I, I don't know. I'm, uh, unfortunately, I'm terrible... I went to one in L.A. at yeah, a funeral. It was terrible. Oh, oh all right. Well, on that note. Uh, <laughs> well, Tommy's going to join us. No, I mean us. terrible because it was, it was, a, it was a young lady who, who died and uh, just sad. Yeah, of course. No, I, I know. That is terrible. And then I wanted to awkwardly say on that sad note let's transition to guns and roses so i'm sorry you had that experience in your life <laughs> <laughs> next synagogue i go to maybe it'll be more pleasant yes we, we got to get you to our bar mitzvah all right absolutely and well it, it's kind of a maybe a, a foreshadowing about some serious stuff that we may talk about all right let's go that because doug called me i mean he, he randomly calls me you know whether it's just to say hey or talk about limp biscuit or something like that but <laughs> He asked if I had seen the the reels documentary on 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 TV, which premiered I think last weekend. As we're recording this, so uh, we're recording this uh, February seventh. So I don't know. It wasn't this past weekend. Maybe the weekend. I don't know. It's quarantine. I don't know. I know what year it is. That's about it. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I was able to watch it because I don't have that channel, and I'll give a shout out to another great listener of the show, uh, Ali Garza. Ali, uh, we he, love it. She did a Facebook Live. I don't think many people knew about it because uh, it was like a few people watching. And I'm like, I'm not Xing out of this link. I don't know if I can get it back again. And when I did share, because uh, somebody did upload the whole show and I shared that, it was taken down shortly after. So I know there are, there are a lot of people who didn't get to see it. That being said, if you've seen GNR documentaries in the past, there wasn't too much perhaps you had missed. But I want let's talk, I wanted to talk about things that were discussed that weren't cleared up, and I, I guess I want to talk about it because Doug wants to talk about it because Doug was upset. Sure. Sure. Doug, you know, it was nice to see. It was cool to see Doug on the uh, documentary. Now knowing the guy, it was cool seeing Vicky Hamilton. She was awesome. Love Vicky, by the way. Talk she, about a gal that got a raw deal. Oh my lord! Um, I mean, she should have managed Guns N' Roses and got screwed. Um, and, and I will forever, uh, love Vicky because of, uh, that she should have at least been given a chance. I mean, she really bore her heart and soul, let him live there. So yeah, I, I too love Vicky, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's, this is uh, our show. So interject whenever you, you, you need to, and I'll give her, her book a plug appetite for dysfunction, Yeah, not distortion or destruction. Dysfunction. <laughs> uh, so she was great. Uh, there was a couple people I didn't recognize, which we'll get into. You know, like the, uh, the dude with the sideways hat and all the tattoos. Uh, they had just like random therapists on to analyze right. Axel, which I never yeah. like because you're yeah, they're not right. your client. Yeah. Uh, but maybe let's start with Mick Wall. Oh my God, we got to start with people that we hate. And so. <laughs> let me just preface this, and I'll let you you go, uh, Doug. Yeah, go ahead. I've never read a, a Mick Wall book. 
I just, I haven't, you know, and that's, to, that really is no slight to him. I've just read like the autobiographies. I think that the, the time that ba- the, the band that time forgot and what that book, uh, I've reached out to Mick a few times for an interview, never heard back that happens, whatever. So I, I watched the documentary and I'm watching it and I'm thinking, wow, this guy's really milking the GNR teat because he has had nothing to do with the band in a very long time. And I don't know what he knows. Is he, it sounds like he's speaking from a place of knowledge. He may have known some things. Does he right. really know the current events? I don't know. And then they start talking about the videos and the so-called decline of the band and breaking up. And he uses the word, when he's talking about November rain, not estranged, which people have fun you know, with the dolphins and everything. The November rain video was cringy at times. That pissed me off as a fan. Nothing about mm. That was one of the most brilliant videos ever made. So yes. just as a fan, go fuck yourself. Right. So I'm like, you know what? Still, it's my opinion. I want to reach out to Mick. Let's let's see if I can try to finally get him on the podcast. Look on Twitter. I'm blocked. Mick Wall blocks me on Twitter. Wow. I don't think I've ever said anything too controversial or angry. I don't know if I've ever really added him. If I did, it was a very long time. I'm just trying to think what I could have said or done. I, I did find out after the fact, which is interesting, Doug, that he has blocked followers of mine who have never mentioned him ever. Wow. So what is the deal? Is he going through my followers and blocking everybody? Is he blocking anybody that talks about Guns N' Roses? What the fuck is Mick Wall's problem? It's got to be anybody with a credible uh, source who can out him because, um, I mean, if you think about it, uh, Axel wrote about Mick Wall and Get in the Ring, and that was written in 8990. Um, the only access that Mick Wall ever had to Axl Rose was 87, 88 uh, during the UK days. Um, yet he still talks about it, uh, his relationship with Axl, like they're best buddies. Oh, yeah. Well, when Axl's worried about a big show, he doesn't like to perform it. He's told me many a times, the guy is out of his mind. Mm. Uh, he lives in the same charade that uh, that uh, my uh, my former partner in Edmonton did. Um, you know, and, and that's one of the things that uh, has never been cleared up is people say, well, Goldstein took over management in 91. Well, that's not true. I actually was made a co-partner, 50% partner in Niven's company in 1988. Um, but again, nobody talks about that. Nick Wall called me when he was writing his Guns N' Roses book and said, I want to put yourself and Peter Grant on the Mount Rushmore of Rock and Roll Managers Okay. Um, he said, you know, Doug, I mean, everybody thinks that Niven carried the band. You clearly were the one that, and then his book comes out after I gave him a hundred hours of interviews and he killed me. He laid me away. Um, so, uh, he's a user an abuser. Um, he's uh, factually incorrect. He has, uh, no merit speaking on behalf of anything having to do with guns and roses yet. He was interviewed more than anybody else in that whole thing. That he was. I found yeah, I, I but, noticed that as well. And and the, the sad part is I told the producer um about Mick Wall's lack of involvement. Um, you did, okay. Oh yeah, sure. When I met with him in LA. Um the other thing, obviously, Brenda, that I wanted to talk about is the only reason I did that particular reels show was to clear up uh something that you know, Brenda, we've talked about it ad nauseum. Um, I told them factually, uh, July 5th of 1993, um, when 
they say in the uh, in the episode of Reels that I went to Axel's room to get Slash and Duff to sign away the rights in the name. What I said that ended up on the, on the editing floor was that Niven came out from under his rock and has convinced a inebriated Slash and Duff that that's what I had done. The reality is July 5th of 1993 is the day my son was born. And so I was in San Juan Capistrano. I wasn't even in the same continent. Um, mm. And so I was really frustrated. I contacted the producer immediately and just said, this is crap. You screwed me. Um, you're like every other journalist who says that they are going to get to the bottom. And then you screwed me just like everybody else. So um, I'm not, with the exception of present company, Brandon, um, I will not be doing interviews anymore without uh, editorial approval. Mm. I just want sure. been screwed too many times. What, what did he, let's just backtrack a little bit. When you were first approached, because I, I didn't know you were in this documentary. Yeah. Uh, you know, not that we're, we, we share a locket and I need to know every, every single one of your steps. But you said you were interviewed like a year ago. Yeah. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. So how do they approach you? How did, how, I guess, how did the, how does that work? It was you know? done out of the UK. Um, uh, the, the, the premise that I liked about it was that any money that was made is going towards um, uh, helping uh, the worldwide effort of the killing of all the bees. Right. Oh. And so it was kind of a, uh, I liked the premise. Um, and then, uh, when they said it was going to be about Axel Rose, I'm so tired of hearing negativity about a guy that I love who was my best friend that I jumped at the opportunity to do that and at least say uh, things that I feel about Axel Rose, that uh, what he meant to me um, as a best friend and as somebody that I worked with. He's a very misunderstood individual who people think has all these uh, negative aspects to him, and that was never my spin uh, in dealing with the guy. Uh, uh, tortured, yes. Uh, um, should he have been on the road during Use Your Illusion? Probably not. Um, but uh, still, one of my best friends ever. Mm. You know, you said that, and I don't. Is this private? What uh, you know? Maybe like Axel doesn't want to hear his name in the, in, in the press at all. That was, that went through my mind, actually. Let's, let's start there watching sure. it and, and, and watching you was knowing how I, just my own experience with the podcast and certain stories that get out there. And I, as you mentioned, I'm not a journalist that screws people all over. Never. You know, if, if I put out interviews and I've, and somebody's come to me like, Hey, can you edit that out? And I've gone back and fixed it. You know, that's why, why I just don't want that reputation. That's not how I want my career. Uh, to be built, but watching the documentary and knowing how close you and Axel were, yeah. um, and obviously the feelings, your feelings are still are, are still there. You know, I, I, you said at the end, you know, I love your brother, and I can feel that. I felt that. The other thing I felt was when you were talking about his uh, his suicide attempt. Yeah. See, I don't know if I ever got that. Um, that shocked me, and I want to read a comment before you, you know, whatever you want to say. Sure. About that, I just got this message on uh, on Twitter from uh, Celia. I want to say, uh, "Hi, I was able to watch the documentary last night through Facebook. I guess a question along the lines of why reveal all uh, kinds of private information about him if they claim to be such a good friend? 
Um, I know you're probably limited to what you can say, and it's probably heavily edited, but the gun thing, unbelievable. Uh, any wonder the man has trust issues. I thought the documentary was horrible. That's, you know, that's not on you, Doug, or anything. Uh, they seem, they uh, seem to constantly blame him uh, on everything, which is our problem. You know, Axel is not that guy. Yeah. Uh, people seem to do absolutely anything for limelight or money. And Mick Wall, sheesh. So that's where she, right. it's not just us. It's, it's the right. viewers. Uh, and she says to me, thanks for the great podcast and Twitter. I've learned more over this pandemic about GNR than I've known my whole life, LOL, and learned new bands too. Take care. Uh, Alicia, I think, okay, Alicia. So thanks, Alicia. So while you want to get things out there about what a good guy Axel is, and yeah. it's what I do on this podcast, talking about mental health, and sometimes there are traumas that will explain or help understand why there's erratic behavior, you know, lateness or jumping off, whatever. What, how do you feel? How did, what were the emotions going through and telling that story to a camera? I know there's more to it and, and maybe we'll, I don't know if you want to say it now or save it for another time. Cause it is no, such I, a, I find to, you know me, Brando, when have I ever, uh, by the way, when you were talking about somebody, you know, you leave it open. If anybody wants to edit, how many, how many calls have you received from me saying, please edit this out? Oh, none. Yeah, I'm not to say that I've gotten that a lot. I'm just saying. No, I, don't I know, but you there. know me. I'm an open book. I got no problem talking, particularly the fans, because without fans, you have no band. Um, so, uh, as it relates to talking about the uh, the suicide attempts, or um, I wasn't doing that to be anything other than giving an explanation um, as to uh, his state of mind um, during a major portion, particularly of the Use Your Illusion. Um, and to give some credence to you're not alone. There are boatloads and boatloads and boatloads of Guns N' Roses fans who go through the similar depression. And to understand that here's a guy who can go out and entertain in front of 220,000 people and go home and be alone um, mm -hmm. with nobody um, looking after him or praising his accolades um, mm -hmm. It's a massive depression that one goes through, and it's not just him. Um, it's uh, entertainers in general. I have this, this conversation with a lot of people um, who go from, you know, uh, particularly loved ones. You know, why can't, I mean, when he comes home, there's this massive adjustment. I mean, I've been expl explaining that for years. Right. Playing on a, right. 20 thousand people in the arena and then you know and you do that for a year and a half and you come home and your wife says the dog's not going to clean up his own shit right I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and, and i fired the maid right so um it was more speaking um i didn't feel like i was uh you know um, speaking about anything that axel hadn't spoken about himself being depressed and and having gone through his own uh, battles and issues Everybody knows about Sharon Maynard and Susie London, so I didn't feel like I was really speaking out of turn, um, just more to give a better understanding uh, for some of the pain that he was particularly going through. Yeah, and you said something to me off the air too, uh, which I want to say that you are also sharing your experience because you were, you know, you had to help. So I you shouldn't have to hold that in because that's your experience. That's also, even though you weren't the potential victim, let's say yours, that's a still traumatic experience for you, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and it was reliving, understood. And Brando, it was reliving my own history as well. My right. brother 
my brother's birthday is a day before Axel Rose's. He passed 10 years ago mm-hmm. and um, ended right. up suicide a number of times. And uh, I was too young to do anything about it. Um, with Axel Rose, I wasn't too young to do anything about it. And I was uh, able to uh, effectively uh, intervene in a positive way. Um, so. Well said. No, I, I appreciate that. Tommy, you have any, um, you know, and you, you look like you're going to be on the sidelines for the, the Rams. Yeah, he's going to be for the Rams. They're not playing uh, uh, today. Uh, in the Super I'm going to, I'm, I'm going PGA with Doug. I'm going to hold his golf. Right, golf baby, let's go, man. Let's go, <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Like what's uh so I, I to bring you into this, Tommy, you know, not yes. your, your, the, our, our, our one man audience. I mean, as a, as a fan, you know, how have you perceived Axel over the years? You know, have you, you know, do you buy into all the rumors that are out there? And it was interesting because as his birthday was uh, yesterday, yeah. the amount of positive articles by all sorts of new ma- news magazines, it's not usually like that. Yeah. Like right. Loudwire's like, here are six nice things Axel have done. That, you, know, spin, yeah. you know, spin is like here, you know, here's like some of his greatest quotes, you know, love him or hate him. It was so positive. But over the years, it's been so negative. Like, are, are you a fan that's, have you been burned by Axel being late? You know, what's your experience with the band? I I have been burned by him being late. I can understand. I think he was born into an unfortunate situation, and he is a role model where you could take a negative and make it a positive. Nice. Well done, Tony. Yeah. Look at that. Short and concise. I love it. Yes. <laughs> so, Brando, let's talk about the positive things and, and the real thing. Okay. So, uh, please. What, what was... Well, it was awesome to see again Vicky, and she was giving yeah. a tour of her apartment and where yeah. they slept. I had never seen that before. Yeah, can you tell oh, us? She's still about- in the same. She's still in the same apartment. I don't think so. Oh. Maybe maybe she had access to it. For- you know, there's a, there's a couple people that I'd like to mention that have never been talked about. One of them is Jennifer Perry. Jennifer was best friends and roommates at times with Vicky. Okay. Um, she also ended up to work for um, Avalon, which was the big promoter in uh, in in uh, LA, uh, Brian Murphy. And Jennifer was an integral part in the band's early success as well. Um, the other two people, which never get mentioned and were integral in the success of the band, was John Jackson, the band's international agent uh, from day one. Uh, he's also the agent for Metallica and Iron Maiden. And he was making moves on behalf of the band in a very, uh, like literally from the very beginning. Mm. Um, oh, you've been upgraded. Unlimited. By the way, look at this as a oh, gift yeah. from oh, Zoom. Running out of time, we've removed the 40 minute time limit on your hey, yeah. look at Oh, wow. That. Look at that. Wow. If yeah, Zoom wants to be a sponsor of this podcast, how about that? Well, it's, my, it's my account. I think they. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> Just keep anyway, it real. So John Jackson, who nobody ever talks about, and he was from day one. He was the one that got it that the band was literally breaking out of the UK. So get him back over there, right? And then he all the moves of uh, playing the band around the world was John. And uh, similarly, Mel Posner, who I refer to as Uncle Mel, um, he was a former president of uh, Capitol Records. He ended up uh, running the international division of uh, Geffen Records. And so between him and John uh, and their support staff, right? I mean, Jane Pampel, who worked for John, 
and uh, Christina Callio, who worked for Mel Posner. I mean, they were people who were just killing it on the band's behalf. But nobody ever talks about it. You know, they, people talk, like they, they love to talk about the managers, but they don't talk about the support staff who is really getting a lot of stuff done on our behalf. Mm. Have you seen, like, what is the best documentary that you've seen or book that's out there that you've seen about the band? Is there? No. <laughs> There's, there still needs to be one put out that will yeah yeah it's either axel's book or my book whichever one you know okay by the day. i mean because uh we were the only sober ones right mm-hmm. <laughs> and and uh and we don't uh neither axel nor myself steer too far from reality um axel's memory is crazy good um my memory is good with uh some some uh, with a little kick in the tail but um <laughs> But I, I mean, you know, I was, I was there and sober for the entire uh, Appetite and Use Your Illusion tours. So, who was and uh, he says he he didn't like doesn't do many interviews. The guy on the on the the documentary who big dude tattooed dude side. Yeah, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. John yes. did a great job. You know, he was relaxed and he looked great in front of the camera. Uh, John was hired. Uh, he'd never been a tour manager before. Um, I brought him in because the guy just, he's really smart and he's great with people. Um, and so I brought him in to tour manage the biggest band in the world. His first gig was the Rolling Stones shows, um, uh, at the Coliseum. Um, and he was hired pretty much. Here he comes again. Another appearance about my cat. <laughs> ah, that's great. He, uh, I thought that he did a fantastic job in his interviews. Uh, they were interspersed throughout. And I also um, need to uh, go on record about Tom Zutat. Okay. Tom, Tom, I thought, did a fantastic job with uh, speaking about the stuff that, uh, that he dealt with. Um, his relationship with Axel was... Uh, at times, incredibly close. At times, not so close. But that's everybody with Axel. Mm. <laughs> I thought Tom uh, did a great job, and he's looking really good. I mean, uh, I got to give it to him. He's uh, he looks great. He, uh, um, I, I, I believed um, everything that he had to say. Um, literally, the only thing that I look back on in, in the real thing is there were a s- couple of instances where I went, "Well, hang on a second all three of us couldn't have been there, right? I mean, <laughs> I remember being there, and I'm pretty sure I was alone, right? But other than that, I thought that Reese and Zutat did a, just a fantastic job. And it's interesting that uh, Zutat, he's completely out of the business. He, uh, I think he, yeah. he sells cars now. That's right. Yeah, that's what I understand. Yeah. 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 And I, I want to... Tom was always really close to Alan, um, therefore not so close with me. Um but I I believe in giving credit where credit is due, and and I I thought he did just a really 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 good job. Do you know if they reached out to Alan? I do not know that. I I'm not sure. Okay, and I just want to read this uh, comment from uh, Jay Trucker because I want to get my listeners involved. Sometimes literally, yeah, like Thomas. Right. Uh, Jake uh, Trucker says, "I can't believe they skipped the entire 2002 2014 touring era." really unfair i mean that may be for time and i think those are for us the dedicated gnr fans that love that era but i mean if you're you know just uh joey bag of donuts i'm sorry you don't 
I hate to say it. If you're Joey Bag of Donuts, if you're just Joe Schmo, you don't care about uh, Buckethead or right. you know uh, Bumblefoot. I mean, I we care about them, but sure. you know, for for a documentary like that, you know, that didn't surprise me. Yeah, I, I I mean, you know, I, I, again, I don't know how much time you end up having in a situation like that, but I think more importantly, they were trying to deal with the unraveling of the original. Um, I know, and what I noticed. Uh, that when it was the voiceover said, here's when the unraveling began, or, or I'm paraphrasing, but something like that. And the picture they showed was Axel and his braids. And I'm like, I don't know. I just kind of... <laughs> okay, but, yeah. but, Doug, were you with him when he uh, went from went to braids? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was there. Did until... you do the braids, Doug? <laughs> yeah, I did the braids. That was, that was, that was my gig, Tommy. Yeah. Watching babies in his club braiding Axel's yeah. hair. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. pulled the gun out of his mouth to his braids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you? Do you? Uh, I know this is a silly question. Uh, do you remember the conversation? He's like, eh, I, I feel like you know braiding my hair today. Did anything yeah, like that I happen? Know. I don't know. I, look, when it came to, we never had much of a conversation about what he dressed like, appeared like. It just wasn't really anything that he asked my opinion on well what about as a friend i mean you see him next time it's like you know all of a sudden he looks you know like bo derrick you know so you didn't have yeah, a no, I'm really, eh, I'm really, eh, okay know. all right sorry yeah, i know it's it's, it's hey, a... hey, Brando, i went from having hair down to here to, to shaving my head me too so, and he never said anything about that <laughs> <laughs> fair enough i guess that's that's a more sensitive topic but not in front of two hundred thousand people yeah, exactly. That's a more sensitive topic for us who used to have hair. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, oh, there you go. See, I'm like you, but it's, it's quarantine. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> you, you look good, Tommy. Thank you. Thank you. I'm trying to think what else because I it was two hours, which I couldn't believe. But it was a nice break from quarantine just to watch yeah. something about GNR, yeah. which was fun. And, and Reels is is funny. You know, I, I, I've enjoyed their their past documentaries. I never take it too seriously, but I think what bothers me and as we talk about the serious stuff, like with the, you know, suicide attempts, and they have a therapist on there that Axel is not their client. Right. I don't know. I, I know they do that. I know these shows do that about, you know. Yeah, if, how, how do you really know somebody if you haven't delved into his psyche uh, all along? Um you know, at that point, you're just a, a tire kicker, uh, you know, using your basic psychology 101 to try and analyze somebody you've never met. I know. And I get it when they do it for like, you know, Ted Bundy or these serial, serial killers. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. But you don't need to do right. it for Axel at, at this point. Because some things I just felt like, did Axel really believe that Stephanie and Aaron were, were sisters in a previous life conspiring against him? That just seems yeah, like so, yeah. that, sound, that sounded absurd. To yeah. me, and that's just something they were mm-hmm. casting something on him. So there's still, you know, it, as we talk about us, the hardcore GNR, GNR fan versus the average, it's, it still bothers me. The average GNR fan or music fan sees that documentary and, and believes everything. Right. So at True. least they know they can believe you. They can believe Tom Zutan. You know, they can yeah, certain yeah. people, but not yeah. Mick Wall. Not, don't believe Mick Wall. Oh, please don't believe Mick Wall. <laughs> he apologized to Axel in his last book. I, you take that back? I don't know. Well, yeah. if he if he ever wants to clear his uh, name amongst GNR fans, the invitation is always open. Nice, and I feel that invitation will 
remain open. <laughs> yeah, I, I made a different invitation when the book came out. He didn't take me up on that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go meet in person to discuss how this was done, Mick. <laughs> oh, geez, geez, geez. Um, I'm sure. What else from the doc stuck stood out to you? Do you feel is there anything? Because you, you, you called me hot. You were coming in hot, Doug. You're like, I got to do an episode this weekend. I got to talk I, about you it. Know what? Uh, generally, I thought that it was okay. Other than the, I mean, why give Mick Wall? We can sit here and talk about it forever. But I mean, he was probably fifty percent of that episode. And and when I went out of my way to tell the producer, he's had zero input um in anything guns and roses related since 1989 probably um it, it, you know mick is just a guy who sees an opportunity to continue to milk the teeth use your word um you know to try and feed his family on something he has zero um understanding or appreciation of so what was the producer's response little does he you know Virtually shrug their shoulders, you know. Uh, yeah, he said, "Yeah, no, we, you know, we, uh, we we've heard that about Mick." Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, uh, I think it was the actors <laughs> for them. He's based in the, the UK. The producers are based in the UK, um, and Mick tells a great story, like he like he actually knows, and he doesn't. So. No, and that's that's something I I have said on this podcast since day one. You know, you can come off as an expert and maybe, you know, like, I I don't know if I do to some people because of a, I have a podcast. I am not an expert. I wasn't in any of these places. I don't know. I just know from second, third, fifth hand or whatever. And I do my best to research. That's why I got people on like Doug, you know, uh, to tell his side. That's why I invite listeners to, for, for questions because of how intelligent the listener base is. I don't yeah. want to mislead anybody. So yeah. it's just a shame that that could be misled. Uh, I guess the, the last uh, you know, question about the documentary is any chance that Axel watched it, you think? Oh, I think there's every chance he watched it. Are you kidding really? me? Really? Okay. Wow. Okay. No, it, 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 actually, it's a great story. Tell me you'll like this one. So uh, in the very beginning, right, I started in 1987, and I'm the band's tour manager, and we released Sweet Child of Wine finally, right? Uh, they released Welcome to the Jungle twice, and it didn't take off, and so – Finally, they release Sweet Child of Mine, and the band blows up. So I'd always told Axel on the road, never read your press. Don't read it. Don't read it. Don't read it. Don't listen to it. Right? Stay away from it. Um, so he calls me. We're off the road. And he goes, uh, Dougie, he goes, I got to talk to you. I said, what's up? He goes, uh, and some of the fans have probably already heard this because I, not the first time I've mentioned it. So I said, what's up? He goes, man, I'm reading the press. I know you told me not to. I said, well, what are you doing? He goes, okay. He goes, look, I just need to ask you a question. I said, okay. He goes, every article I'm reading tells me that success has turned me into an asshole. What's your opinion? And I said, really, you want my opinion? He goes, yeah. I said, fine. I'll give you my opinion. I said, in 1987, when I first met you, you tried to fight me in Atlanta, knowing that I've been a bodyguard for the Stones and the Who and Black Sabbath and Martin Van Halen, blah, blah, blah. You didn't care. You wanted to fight me. I go, you were the biggest asshole I'd ever met in my entire life, but you were underpublicized. I go, now, <laughs> now <laughs> you are successful and you've turned into a really nice guy. The problem is nobody knew back in 87 what an asshole you were. So now <laughs> we are in late 88 
and people think you're an asshole, they have no idea what the hell I was dealing with in 87. <laughs> so, That's funny. Yeah. What was his response to that? Did he laugh along with that? Yeah. yeah. Because that's a nice, that's a very honest and, and nice thing to, and then to say. There was, there was another situation that took place, and it's just kind of an interesting. Um, when he finally realized that, oh, shit, maybe we are big, um, he called me about 3 o'clock in the morning. There's a self-wash um, on Sunset Boulevard. It used to be there anywhere. I'm not sure if it is. Um, but um, he was stuck there at 3 o'clock in the morning. There was about 3,000 fans in cars around him and he couldn't get out and he called me he goes i'm stuck i go what what's up he goes I- i'm self-washing my bmw and all these fans started showing up and i said call 911 he goes what i said call 911 get him out of there so oh okay so that does bring up a point so um in the reels documentary mm-hmm. There, it's it, there's something else that's misunderstood. So during the Rolling Stones, um, Axel was running late. I know, tough to believe. Tommy, tough to believe. He was running <laughs> yeah. late. So, so first show. So I had to send the cops up to Shoreham Towers where he lived at the time, and have them pick him up and give him an escort back. Later, it's led to believe by some of the other people doing interviews that only in L.A. can you send the cops there to jerk him out of his room and take him. That isn't what happened. He knew they were coming. I set it up. I set up a police escort. It wasn't like somebody was, and they actually showed him in cuffs, right? In the Reels documentary, I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) I don't know what the place is called. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's certain things that got blown out of proportion in it, but, um, like I said, for the most part, I thought that, uh, with the exception of Mick Wall, um, everybody did a, a really good job. And the main thing that you wanted to ha- hammer home that bothered you was the, the contract signing. I wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. Because here's the reality. They didn't have legal representation and I'm not dumb. I would have said, Hey, yeah. excuse me, Axel. They don't have their own attorney. This isn't valid. You can't have them sign in an inebriated state, first off. Okay? They're in no position, to, I mean, they're, to, to, to have legal standing. They don't have legal uh, representation. So that document that they signed should have been set aside as null and void without legal representation in the, in the inebriated state that they were in. Yet nobody ever asked my opinion about that. Slash and Duck never did. They just took it for granted that somehow I was involved, even though I was, uh, um, you know, 5,000 5, miles away on the other side of the planet. And I assume over the years you've tried to uh, let let Slash and Duff know because Slash wasn't very kind to you in his book. I mean, you no, No, he wasn't very kind. In fact, you got your PGA hat on, Tommy. So Tommy and I discussed this. Um, you know, in, in Slash's book, he says – Dougie used to put us at these um, at these uh, 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 golf resorts so that he could play golf. The reality is, I teed off at five thirty in the morning just as they were going to bed. So it had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with the fact that on the eighty eight eighty nine Appetite Tour, um, when I was staying downtown, we were throwing drug dealers in and out of hotel rooms, right and left. But good luck scoring uh, any heroin on the fifteenth hole at, uh, at that's right. 
Yeah, at the TPC course, uh, Las Colinas in Dallas, right? You're not going to do it. Maybe now that it's grown a little, but not back when I was booking them there. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I booked them out there. I mean, it had nothing to do with golf. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the times I didn't even get to play golf um, because I was mm-hmm. dealing with some mess from the night before. Yeah, there's still so much that needs to be cleared up. And, yeah. uh, and look, I mean, yeah. would I love the opportunity to sit with Slash and Duff and explain my side of the story? Absolutely. Will I ever get that opportunity? Probably not. Probably mm-hmm. not. That's okay. Well, somebody once said not in this lifetime, and it happened. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Very good point. <laughs> we'll see. But, I, but, it, but, but again, one of my mantras in life is I don't look in the rearview mirror for fear of running into the wall in front of me. So mm, I don't smart. buy spilt milk. Um, the, the reason why I do these podcasts um, really isn't to clear up, you know, anything about me. It's really just to talk to the fans and anybody that knows me well enough um, understands that about me. Um, no, I get that sense too. I mean, that's why Tommy's here, you know? Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I love, I love the fans. Um, you know, when, uh, when a lot of these fans were in their teens they were spending their hard-earned money or their allowance or whatever, uh, buying T-shirts and posters and whatever else um, that I uh, received the benefit of. And why in the world, 20 years later, would I not answer questions that had to do with uh, a band that was relevant in their youth? Um, I would think that would be pretty one-sided of me and uh, and a pretty shitty thing to do. There was, uh, and I forget his name, I, I saw... A listener, I think he was from Norway. He commented in the uh, GNF and R uh, fan spot Facebook page. I just want to give him a plug because it's a nice Facebook page. You know, Martin. What's that? Martin Bogler? No, not him. Not, not him. I, it's not somebody that I'm like friendly with. Like I saw somebody leave a comment saying, "Has anyone heard from Doug Goldstein lately?" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yanni Lindros. Uh huh. And I've been, he's like, I, I'm worrying about him. You know, I've yeah, been speaking true. to him for many years. And I know with Facebook, it's, you know, it's not like you have a verified Twitter. You know, you you activate your account, you deactivate, you have another, you know, it's, I don't know. It's not like you're trying to escape the cops. It's just Facebook drama, I guess. So I just said, oh, Doug's alive. Brenda, I'll be honest with you. What it is, is, uh, you know, I've had this discussion privately. I call it Cowers Band Keyboards. If you oh. Google Doug Goldstein, Guns N' Roses, the very first, well, the second thing that comes up is why Doug Goldstein is full of shit. <laughs> and it's an article that you cannot comment on, by the way. He, he edit, uh, edited it so that you can't put a comment. But it was uh, re- related to my comments about I saw the uh, end of the line coming when Axel did his uh, piece about uh, being abused as a child and then slash decides to go do a pay-per-view with Michael Jackson. And right. this guy's saying, but those accusations didn't come out for a couple of years. Well, that's all well and good. But those of us that were in the industry, we all knew. I have a friend uh, that I will leave nameless that I've known since I was 18 years old, who was literally the house manager at Neverland. Um, and we all knew what was transpiring out there. So I don't really give a shit about some coward behind a keyboard saying that I was full of shit other than when somebody's interested in possibly working with me. And that's the, that's the second thing that comes up and you can't, I don't know how to get rid of it. I'm not savvy enough to call um, Google and say, this guy's full of shit. I mean, I'm Googling you right now. And honestly, it's a lot of our interviews, but I don't see anything too crazy. Oh, if you put Doug Goldstein, GNR. Oh, just uh, GNR. Yeah. Doug Goldstein, GNR. Usually Doug Goldstein, GNR. Yeah. Uh, 
Go gold team manager, where music meets soul, design consultant. No, I don't know. Maybe someone did something for you. Hey, I, believe, right. I don't know. But I Way mean, to Tommy. Way to go, Tommy. Yeah, I will. Go. Thank Tommy, you. Talk to, Tommy, talk to some guys over at Google for me. All right, Tommy. Hey, even your we picture with to Mario. Don't worry. Mario said, don't worry about it. That's right. Yeah. Your picture with Donald Trump comes up before. Ah, is that right? You know what? Have I ever asked you about that meeting Trump? Yeah. Have, what was he like? You know what? I'll be honest with you. The guy, um, I go on face value. What does somebody treat me like, right? Right. And so he came to the show uh, wanting to meet Axel. Um, I made that happen. Uh, and then I told my then wife, she was flying in the next day. I said, you're not going to be with the show. She goes, who's that? I said, Donald Trump. She goes, fuck you. I go, why would I lie? I go, I mean, that's, I have no reason to lie. She goes, Doug, shut up. Donald Trump was not at the show. I go, well, whatever. So she flies out the next day and I'm having dinner with Peter Mensch, who was like my mentor, literally. Um, he helped me all along the way. Um, God bless Peter. Without him, I would have been lost. Um, but uh, he manages Metallica and Chili Peppers and Muse and Black Keys and on and on and on. There's very few bands that he doesn't manage. But um, so him and his first wife and myself and my then wife and I, because of the bodyguarding thing, I'm facing the door at this Thai restaurant in Manhattan. And all of a sudden he walks in, Donald Trump walks in and I hear this, Hey, Doug Goldstein. He comes over, pulls up a chair and sits down for 45 minutes, talks to us. And obviously my first wife is just sitting there like, I go, yeah, I'm a liar. Right? I'm a big liar. So at the <laughs> end of it, he literally gave me his business card. He said, you know what, Doug? He goes, I like you a lot. You're a good kid. He goes, if you ever need anything from me, um, this is my real contact information, call me anytime. And so I never, obviously I never did, but I used to carry it just as a joke. You know, I've got the Trump card, right? So <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, but he was great. He was look, he, The guy was nice to me. So, um, you know, I have my opinions about um, uh, how he served our country, but I'll keep those. I understand. And I, right? Right, and I have listeners on both sides of, the, sides of the aisle. So I'm like, we meet here just to talk about, you know, we love Guns N' Roses. Like whatever you're, everybody believes in something different. As long as you don't harm yourself or somebody else, I believe whatever you want to believe. And uh, it is interesting. It didn't it leak last year that it was a document or uh, document that Trump wrote that November Rain was the greatest music video of all time. It was yeah, like in some notes it. to a second. So I, you know, he got a point for me there. <laughs> he That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, this was uh this is was great. I mean, I, Doug, we're obviously going to talk a lot more as this podcast continues about certain things. Yep. Uh, Tommy, I mean, I hope you in, in, enjoyed yourself. I mean, kind very of much. Our... Thank you very much, Brando and Doug. Sitting we're in front of a live Thank studio audience much. on this pre-recorded just, podcast. Just one thing going back to as far as tardiness and being late. My first yeah. show in seeing Axel was at the House of Blues the first time in 2001 and i believe he came on doug at like 3 45 in the morning yeah like that yeah yeah <laughs> give or take and, and, and what's funny is <laughs> give or take so he has the tickets but ah, this was in the set list this was in front of tommy stinson so somebody wrote remember to smile tommy now doug whose handwriting is this that looks like axles is that axles? in your opinion doug who do you think this is that wrote it Oh wow! Um, you know what? It, it's it's uh, it's one of the other band members. Um, 
because a crew member would never put himself in jeopardy and it's not Axel's writing. Oh, it's not. Okay. I mean, look at that beautiful set list. Oh my God. Silkworms. Uh, oh my God. Riyadh and the Benduins. What a show that was, man. It, gotta, it was really, it really what, was a great show. You know what, Tommy, I'll put it out there. Uh, Cause I've had a few people reach out to me since I've done uh, singular episodes about certain events, like the riots yeah. I've done so far. We'll, we'll do a Vegas, a 2001 Vegas show. And if you want to be a part of that, we'll Absolutely. get some other. We'll get some other oh, we flew great. out from New York. We were lucky to get tickets. And it was a great experience. We were, we could never do it now in our 40s. But back then, standing literally from like 3 o'clock in the afternoon till 3.45 in the morning when he came on, it was, it was really, really, really just a great show. It's a little different seeing Robin. Mm dressed the way he was as opposed to Slash. You know, I'm sure Doug understands what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, the the first thing that I thought of, Tommy, was that's probably Robin that wrote that. Oh, really? Yeah, because Robin had a great sense of humor. Great Mm -hmm. sense of humor. He is a really funny guy. I love Robin Fink a lot. It was a great show. It was just different seeing the guys, you know, supporting Axel. Yeah, and I do have to say one thing. uh, I'd like to close with one thing is uh, Richard Fortas. Um, nobody gives that guy near the credit that he deserves, um, not only as a player, but as a human being. Um, you know, I, I lived in St. Louis, and when I'd go through TSA, they knew uh, that I had uh, worked with GNR. And I'm telling you, uh, Richard Fortas could run for mayor in St. Louis and win, no question. He's just that loved in that town. He's a great dude. I'm very fortunate to have gotten him on this uh, on this podcast to talk about uh, you know freak bass and uh, I I hope whenever a new GNR album comes out that he yeah. is a big part of it because he deserves sure. it. He deserves yeah, it. Yeah, he's just yeah. A good guy. yeah, yeah. Right on. Well, Doug, thank you so much, Tom. Let me let me ask you this before we get out of here, Tommy. Uh, is that your most prized possession, GNR possession? Because I asked um, this you know favorite, no, favorite piece got, of memorabilia. I, I got a I got a couple. Duff was kind to me and my wife. He had us backstage at the Kings of Chaos in Foxwoods in Connecticut about six years ago, seven years ago. I got a ton of video footage, signatures. Slash, I met Slash and Duff a lot, and they were very kind to us back in 2001. So I have a ton of stuff, but it's only it's it's all Slash and it's all Duff. And if they saw me in a room, they would know who I am, not by name, but they were always very kind to me and very kind to my wife. And that was Duff didn't have to have us backstage at Foxwoods and he did. Mm, that's great to hear. Yeah. Do you have another question I always ask the listeners who come on, do you have a favorite GNR song? Uh, it, it would it would have definitely have to be Don't Cry. Oh. I'm assuming the original lyrics. Yes. <laughs> actually actually the demo. Oh the demo, okay. Yeah. I like it. The yeah. 1985 demo. Yeah, absolutely. I awesome. bet. I bet Doug. Doug also heard a lot of Chinese stuff that maybe we didn't hear, even with the leaks and everything else. That's probably very good. Very much so. Although you know, Tommy, it was um, it was a little bit like, can I please get the baby away from this pregnant woman because <laughs> she's been she's been pregnant now for about seven years. Um, right. I think it's time that we just take this baby away from the mom. <laughs> sure. But yeah. Doug, let, right. yeah. Doug, let me ask you a question. When they got in the studio in 95, 96, yep. the material that Duff and Slash and Matt Sorum worked on, mm-hmm. 
I don't know if Paul Tobias was involved because that's when that Paul Yugi, that's when things kind of really went south. But the material they worked on, was it really Southern blues or was it okay? Or what was your opinion? It was good. It was, uh, it was good. Um, it just wasn't really, I mean, Axel was trying to go with a three guitar motif. Um, the, and I've said this countless times, so I'm not speaking out of turn, but Axel's response from the second he hired Paul Tobias, uh, Hughie, whatever you want to call him, was he's only there until you find another guitar player. That's it. He's not the permanent replacement. And I would beat that into Slash and Duff all the time. Right. And all they had to do to get rid of him was bring in somebody else, and yet they never did. I could never understand why they opted to not. Um, but, you know. And, uh, Mark Ford, former Black Crows, recently yeah. came out that he's been approached a couple times. Do you remember that? Mark Ford coming in? Um, that probably was being approached by Slash and Duff. Okay. Uh, the the stuff that I was hearing, of course, was from Axel, you know, Zach Wilde, Dave Navarro. Um, so. Oh, this this GNR family tree. But these are other episodes, Doug. You know, if we ever, if you're obviously I'm here if you want to get more stuff off your chest, you know. The oh, deal. Uh, and Tommy, this was a pleasure. We'll do a, a Vegas episode and we'll be talking to you again. Actually, can I just ask one question? Absolutely. Okay. Always wanted to ask this. Thank you, Brandon. Doug, at the Music Awards, the famous Music Awards where uh, Slash and Duff got up there when you were kind enough to say to the people who were running the show, maybe it's a good idea if they don't go up there, but they went up there anyway. What were they drinking? What weren't they drinking? No. <laughs> okay. Because at- so so uh, what happened in that situation, and it happened a couple times, I mean, I, that was Guns N' Roses was my baby. Uh, Great White was his, um, <laughs> and so he wrote with him, he produced them, and so um, because he knew that they were going to be on TV, he ordered me to sit with Great White back in the back so that he could sit up front with Duff and Slash, knowing that they were going to win an award. Right. Uh, so. Uh, I, you know, I had no control over what was going on and I saw them drinking their, I mean, S- Slash was always a Jack guy. Everybody knows that. And Duff was always a Soli guy and everybody knows that. So that's what they were drinking. Um, at, after the first time that they won, uh, yeah, I approached Dick Clark and I said, Mr. Clark, I'm no, I'm not with them. Um, I have no control. They're not going to stop drinking. Um, nobody that's currently with them can stop them from drinking. What did they take it in? Because do they at those award shows? Do they have it available? Because imagine you're sitting like me and Brandon well, sitting they, down they, in they the audience. How do we? How do we continue? But nobody stops them. So they're sitting there, you know, and they've got and they've got it in flasks, um, right. but they continue to drink throughout. Um, yeah. And Nevin didn't know, they didn't respect Nevin enough to where if he said, hey, guys, that's it, you're done. If yeah. I was there, they would have listened to me and just said, okay, Dougie, sorry. And I also offered at my expense to send them to a restaurant, Le Chardonnay, that we used to go to. Um, and Dick Clark said, no, uh-uh, I need them here. I don't care mm-hmm. what you say. They have to be here. And so just, just remember what I said. Okay. They're not wow. getting more sober as the evening goes on. Were you with them when when you guys left the American Music Awards? Were you with them in the limo? No. I, I was going to say that must have been an interesting ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't. Uh, I think that the bodyguards are with them. I believe that Niven stayed behind. 
Um, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it's, look, Tommy, it's the same thing as uh, as the uh, the Tom Petty situation. Um, you know, where Vince Neil out of the out of the dark uh, uh, punches Izzy um, in front of. I mean, Axel and I were about fifty yards behind. Um, Niven was standing right next to Izzy. Now, had that been me standing next to Izzy, uh, Vince Neil would no longer be breathing. <laughs> um, right. There was you would have killed him. You would have killed him. Absolutely. You don't do that to anybody that's a family member of mine. Oof, yeah. yeah. Wow. That, that, that story still, like, it's just hard to believe, you know, that, that story. But uh, yeah. one last quick thing, because it's just, how do you not bring up Dick Clark again? And did he have a reaction after the fact? Did he say anything funny? Because it's, it's Dick Clark. I, I walked up. I, I, he came to walk up to me, and, and I just went like this, and he goes, <laughs> He goes, you know what, Doug? You warned me. We're good. <laughs> you shrugged your shoulders. You're like, yeah, told me, Dick Clark. Dude, I told you. I tried to tell you. Yeah. Uh, New York, <laughs> GNR, Rock and Eve. Love it, love it, love it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Doug, Thomas, this was so much fun. Yes, um, thank you. And, and thanks to everybody, you know, who continues to follow along with this uh, this crazy podcast. You know, uh, continue uh, follow along with the conversation in between episodes on social media, Facebook, Instagram. No, YouTube, Twitter, all that fun stuff. And uh, what is to come? Who is to come? I'm, I'm hoping we're going to get a big guest, not GNR, but a big name uh, this, this coming week. Hopefully, I'll be announcing that soon. But uh, when are you going to see that episode? When are you going to see the next uh, edition of this podcast? Well, in the words of Axel Rose once concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. Yeah! security, I'm going home.